0: Otherwise,
1: on SAFM. Yeah. A very good day to you, Mzansi, and welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadotwala. The show is produced by Hazel Makwazeni, and our technical producer for today is Derek Fordyce. Our contact details are 0892 102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now, Inviting Street Harassment, the Tattooed Black Woman, is an article by Libohang Nova Masango, and she joins me to share her reflections um, on being a painted woman. Then travel blogger and solo traveller Kachin Zama talks about her struggle with obtaining an Ethiopian visa as she continues with her African adventure finally we hear about charlene smith's my kickstarter campaign to help her research and rewrite her book on sexual violence but before that our lunch bite for today and i've often asked people to please send your lunch bite in and not always depend on mine and somebody just responded to that and these are 10 rape prevention tips for men number one don't put drugs in women's drinks number two when you see a woman walking by herself, leave her alone. Number three, if you pull over to help a woman whose car has broken down, remember not to rape her. Number four, if you are in an elevator and a woman gets in, don't rape her. Five, when you encounter a woman who is asleep, the safest course of action is to not rape her. Six, never creep into a woman's home through an unlocked window or door or spring out at her from between parked cars or rape her. Remember, people go to the laundry room to do their laundry. Do not attempt to molest someone who is alone in a laundry room. Eight, use the buddy system. If it is inconvenient for you to stop yourself from raping women, ask a trusted friend to accompany you at all times. Nine, carry a rape whistle. If you find that you are about to rape someone, Blow the whistle until someone comes to stop you. 10. Don't forget, honesty is the best policy. When asking a woman out on a date, don't pretend that you're interested in her as a person. Tell her straight up that you expect to be raping her later. If you don't communicate your intentions, this woman may take it as a sign that you do not plan plan to rape her at all. How's that?
2: Otherwise, on S F M.
1: My guest is Lebohang Nova Masango, who wrote an article for Vanguard Vanguard Online Magazine called Inviting Street Harassment, the Tattooed Black Woman. She reflects on her life as a black woman with tattoos. And uh, she joins me now on the phone. Lebohang, hello, welcome. Hello, Shadow. How are you? Do you prefer Nova or Lebohang? Either one that works for you is fine. What works for you, darling? I want you to be comfortable. Okay, Nova is fine. Nova. Now I know <laughs> this article. When I read it, I thought, and then I went onto your blog, by the way, to look at your tattoos. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to make them. They look very beautiful on your leg. You've got books. Yes. A pile of books. I can't see what's on your knee quite clearly.
3: It's a typewriter.
1: It's a typewriter. I thought so. I, I saw that, and I thought it's an old typewriter, right? Yes. Beautiful. And then your thigh is something as uh, butterflyish.
2: It's a big fan of feathers.
1: <laughs> you see, that's why people lift your skirt to look at them <laughs> properly. <laughs> now, tell me, why did you choose to 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 ink yourself?
2: Well, I've always been really uh, fascinated by tattoos. Um, I just love the the act of um, inscribing art onto your skin. You know, I've always loved that. I've always loved looking at tattoos and tattoo magazines. So when I became old enough, I was like, you know, I'd really, there are some things out there that are really close to me and really dear to me. And I'd love to have these on my skin.
1: Yeah. When were you old enough?
2: I was old enough when I was 19. I think that's when I got my first
1: one. Yeah. On my arm. And your parents and the discussion that happened with your parents or was there discussion at all?
2: There was no real discussion because I told them that it's my money and I am an academically excellent student. So it's not like I'm falling into the trap of drugs and misdemeanors, you know, so there's really nothing. There's no reason why you'd say no to me doing this.
1: Yeah. Okay, so um, your parents and, and I, I guess because you you, you guys have travelled and have lived in different. I mean, you were born in Sweden, and you you've travelled. So open-mindedness, I think, and your parents had seen it with other people uh, your age in the past.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think my parents are quite open-minded. Yeah.
1: Okay, so now you walk down the street and, and there's, a, there's a terrible attitude towards, I suspect, more black women than white women who have, who have tattoos. And regardless of what you want to call it, some call it art, some call it uh, body modification. But there's a, some negative kind of uh, attitude towards young black women. Uh, they, they said to be promiscuous, they're probably yeah. easy. Have you felt that? Yes, I have,
2: you know, uh, there are times when I'm walking down the street and specifically black men will shout out things like mahosha mm. or they'll say I'm a satanist, like really horrible things are just thrown out at you as you're walking by. And I guess that's like largely due to ignorance, uh, but sometimes, um, it's, it's scary, you know, because you don't know what this person plans to do. Are they just going to speak and let you go past? Or are they going to act on their aggression? Because a lot of them come at me with anger. Hmm. You know, here I am in my body just walking and they are angry at me for having done what I've done to my body as if I've done something personal to them. So it's a very scary experience.
1: Do you respond to them or do you just walk away? Because it would be great if you could have a a, a conversation.
2: Yeah, um, it depends on the kind of day I'm having. But usually I have to kind of you know, being very strategic. So there are days when I swear at them, I swear back and then I carry on walking. There are days when I ignore them, but it's all just about seeing also the proximity of the person. So if this person is shouting it from across the street, I can shout back, of course, across mm-hmm. the street. Mm-hmm. But if it's someone very close to me, then I'll just like keep quiet and walk briskly um, away.
1: And is it, does, does that attitude come or in the response of your tattoos as a black woman come from black people specifically? It's It comes from everyone,
2: to be honest, but because um, I'm, like, in the inner city and because I go to verts and because, you know, I commute sometimes and I'm walking in the street, it does come from black men most often. If it's coming from black women, it comes under the guise of, you know, kindness and innocent questions, you know, which is a bit more bearable, but when it comes from black men, it's very aggressive and also they sexualize me very, um, like, immediately they sexualize me and then, of course, there was the incident that I wrote about with the white woman and that was one of the the few incidents of white people but mainly it's black men because they also because of the the kind of the relationship between black men and black women our bodies in public spaces that's when i feel the most
1: threatened you said young black women would ask you what sort of questions
2: well, um older black women would would be like, you know, do you know how beautiful you'd look without that? Oh you know, that kind of thing. And you and obviously they're saying it with such a you know, such a tone of kindness and I'm just like, I'm uh you know, I chose to do this, don't worry, you know, it's not Satanistic, you know. Um it's those those incidents are a bit funnier than the others.
1: Yeah. What did the white woman do?
2: Well, I was walking and I had to bend down to tie my shoelace. And as I bent down, like, I just felt her, her, like, flipping my skirt up because I was wearing a short dress and then the skirt, like, was flipped up and she was, like, intently gazing at my thigh. And I was so confused because she also said, oh, I'm glad you stopped, actually. You know, she said something like that. And, you know, before I knew what was happening, you know, she was touching me and she'd lifted my skirt up and there's a whole lot of people walking around and I'm bent over. So, like, I don't know if it went passed my bum or what but it was very like I felt very violated what was your response to that well I stood up and I just like I kept quiet I was I was you know when you're frozen with shock and you don't know what to say or how to respond immediately you're just trying to quickly um regain your composure I just told her that you know it's you can't touch people without their permission that's the only sentence I managed to like push out of my mouth because I was so shocked Um, and she was just like oh sorry and she gave this like sheepish grin and I was just like you know whatever and I walked away. But, yeah, it was, I mean, there's a lot of things that I wish I could have uh, said I wish I could have started a conversation I wish I would have maybe sworn at her <laughs> But I was um, I was way too shocked to actually formulate the
1: sentence Well, the other thing that's said about tattoos and, 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 and because they're so beautiful and the people that wear them Wear them with such pride Is that mostly you find that they want to show them off So they wear very little clothing you know and, and I suppose that 's where the the whole thing of of promiscuity and all of those kinds of accusations come at you because yeah. you 're so proud of your paintings and and you want to show them off as much as possible every day, and some people say it's it 's about attention seeking etc et etc cetera, et cetera. So are you surprised at at the people because they probably want to admire it you know because it 's there um so stop a little let me see what you've got and maybe i hope it i, I wish it would come with a conversation but are, are you are you aware that it invokes that sort of uh, curiosity that possibly it's innocent uh, apart from the men that call you mahosha obviously
2: um i'm aware of it now you know now that i've been tattooed for like over five years or so. Now I'm starting to understand it but before then even when I had no tattoos and I was interacting with people with tattoos I'd always do it in a very respectful way you know and I'd only interact with people that I knew personally but with other people you know I just like let them walk past and I'd have a quick look and then I move on. I'd never get into strangers' personal space. So I mean even when I tell my friends about these incidents a lot of them are like yeah but I mean you went and tattooed your entire leg of course I'm sure you knew this was going to (laughs) happen and I'm like well I did not because that's not how I interact mm-hmm. with people. So I, I've never had an experience of this before. So it is quite surprising to me. I understand it now, but I think even though it's coming uh, from a position of innocence with most people, they kind of need to understand that I am faced with these innocent questions every single day from more than one person. And so I don't even, I can't entertain it anymore. I won't. Get on with my day, you know. I'll have to just stop and kind of hold a conference for everyone who wants to talk about my leg instead of going to <laughs> class, you know.
1: I love that conference because that's what I'm, 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 I'm wanting you to suggest now because it's it, it, black people and and scarring is not a new thing. it's, yeah. it's been done traditionally. I had a grandmother because um, my grandmother was Swana, and from her her tribe, they had to almost tattoo a line from from the forehead right down to the nose the middle of the nose okay. and and on the cheeks and it, it, it was just normal to, to, so that the tribe understands that they are a tribe but yeah. what do you think we ought to learn about that is there a link between that and and tattooing so you know uh scarring as as they would call it and tattooing historically
2: I think there is a link, um, and even beyond the Tana, they in ancient Benin, uh, the Dahomey, they, they used to do, you know, scarification, very intricate scarification on their chest the maori of new zealand they've got it on their chins and their faces you know so scarring and tattooing is something that the aboriginal peoples of this world have always done and I suppose with the onset of Victorianism and Christian practices that people began to shun away from that and a lot of I was thinking as black people right now is informed by those backgrounds of having gone to church or those backgrounds of um, having been in church and so on and so you would see things like this um as in the context of being evil or just being um, subversive, you know, in a way that we don't understand. But I think there's definitely a historical link. And if we knew more about ourselves as black people, we'd understand that tattooing is just an evolution in the way that we mark ourselves and in the way we inscribe meaning onto our bodies.
1: But also the way we mark ourselves as individuals now, because yes. it's not a community marking. It's not yes. a, a tribal marking. It's, it's a personal marking. That says what about you, though, Nova?
2: Um, And and just for me, you know, it's just about my love of writing and books and literature. And I've got a whole lot of poetry quotes on my arms and my feet and so on, you know. So that's about that's what I love about it and there's certain experiences I've been through and I'm like I want to remember this with this particular quote or this this particular poem helped me get through you know so for me it's deeply personal in that sense and it's the same way as someone having this song you know that got them through something or having this piece of artwork that really um, is vivid for them in, in some sense or the other so for me that's what tattoos are about they're about you and what you represent in the world and what you're trying to articulate with your life you know
1: does it give you an extra spring in your step? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love, I love my tattoos. They
2: make me so happy, and I love that um, when I look at my body, you know, and I see all the stuff on it. Like it just, I don't know, I make sense to myself when I look at myself with
1: my mm-hmm. tattoos. Mm-hmm. And does it go? Does, it, does the same go for your piercing? Yeah,
2: the same goes with my, my many piercings, you know, um, Ooh, you these are many. things that I love, <laughs> you know. And I mean, if you look at Janet Jackson in 96, she had the nose piercing as well. And there's a few poets like Wasan Shire that I love, and she has the piercing in her nose as well. So for me, it's just a way of linking me to the women that I've loved, you know.
1: Hmm. So if somebody stops you next time, what sort of, how should they approach you? And what sort of conversation do you want to have with them? Because I think just swearing back doesn't, it also angers you and and ignoring them also doesn't feel well. Maybe that's an opportunity to educate people and hopefully get them to dig deep into their past and know that maybe somewhere in their past history there has been an inked woman especially. I think the best way
2: to be approached is when someone says hi. um, Sorry to bother you, but I was I wanted to chat about your tattoo, or I wanted to find out something about your tattoo. Do you have time? You know, inviting me to give consent for Mm. them to speak about my body, Mm. and then once that happens, and I do have time indeed, then we can speak about it and go into whatever. But those things where people want to you know grab your body or want to be like hi, sorry, where'd you get your tattoo? Like that doesn't work because that isn't even allowing me to say yes or no to us having my body as a topic of conversation. Do you know what I mean? Um, So, I mean, I'm open to speaking to people. I love speaking about tattoos. I love speaking about ancient tattooing practices. Uh, But I think it's about how the other person initiates the conversation because my body, I take my body personally, you know, this is my body. And I take offense very quickly as well because of the way that I've had to go about. I mean, I have no defense, you know, but I I have had to find ways to maneuver in a way that I'm always safe. I'm always protected, so people need to be cognizant of that as well.
1: What's next on your body? What do you going to <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I, I want to finish up my entire leg, and then maybe I'll do my other entire leg.
1: What are, you, um, what are you going to add to your leg?
2: I want to get an I want to I want to get an airplane, or I want to get a picture of my mum. There's this really awesome picture of my mother with a Kalashnikov rifle in her hand. Oh, wow. So if I can get a oh, wow. portrait of that, that would make me really happy. What was she doing with the rifle?
1: She was an M.K. <laughs> okay. So that's why I'm not surprised that she gave birth to a young lady like you. So that that would be a great one to, to, to see, actually. And they say black skin doesn't color as good as white skin. Mm, mm, but I see uh, you've got lovely color there. So I suppose it depends on the artist.
2: Yeah, it depends on the artist, it depends on the shade, and also there's a few colors that I can't do, like I can't really do yellows, mm-hmm. um, so me and my artist had to sit down and like meticulously plan the colors with my particular shade of melanin, so if you've got an artist who's willing to sit there and create a chart for you, that's like the best way to go.
1: Mm-hmm. And and um, the pain, are there parts that are more painful than others, because... I, I I wanted one some time ago I must admit, but I was told it would be too painful, so I gave up so are there are there parts that you would advise people to stay away from, especially yeah. the first tattoo?
2: Yes, um, the parts that um, have a lot of nerve endings, so anything on your palms, under your feet, try to stay away from. Um, Parts which don't see much sun, like the inside of your arms or the inside of your thighs, those are particularly sensitive. Also on top of bone, like the arch of your foot or your, and these are places where I've gotten tattoos, so I know that Mm. they hurt, you know. Mm. Um, And also your knees are very sensitive, so try go for outer arm or on your thigh, Um, stay away from muscle and bone.
1: Yeah, What would you never tattoo on yourself? Uh, as in the image or image. the body part? Image. The image. Or maybe even body parts is important.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave my face open. Okay, okay. <laughs> Definitely leaving my face alone. I probably wouldn't do back because I wouldn't be able to see it, so I'm not into back tattoos. Mm. Um, and images, I'd never do anything religious or anything... Um, Overtly political because mm-hmm. you know our, we change over time. So mm-hmm. I want—I'd only want to commit myself to things that are like viscerally important to me.
1: And loving books so much. Who are your best authors?
2: Oh, Toni Morrison, mm-hmm. definitely. I um, love her. Um Ngozi Adichie is a, is one that I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, Audrey Lord has been fantastic, Um and uh, Arundhati Roy. And also J.K. Rowling for the Harry Potter books. You know, I'm a child of the '90s, so those are my entire childhood. I love
1: those. Well, fantastic. I really enjoyed your your, your blog. Um, can you just tell us, tell our listeners where to go to? Because I, I want them to see these tattoos we've been talking about. <laughs> and you should post more of them. Or is that the only one you've got so far?
2: No, I've got like I've got a few pics here and there, but then um, I never make them the focus. So sometimes it's like just my face or whatever. But there are some that I put there occasionally.
1: Well, they, these these speak volumes. I must tell you, they speak volumes. So, where's your blog?
2: My blog is www.novaherself.tumblr.com.
1: Mm-hmm. Dot dot com. Yeah. And how often do you do you post? Um, when my
2: schoolwork allows me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like maybe once every two weeks or so. What
1: are you studying, yeah. by the way?
2: I'm a I'm postgrad in anthropology, and I'm going to specialize in primary schools and how Black girls experience their hair in primary school. So that's Ooh, my
1: research. We must have, that, so, conversation. Yeah, we must to, have that conversation. Yeah, I would have that conversation on hair, because I saw, I saw, I saw some of it as I was looking through your blog. I saw some serious hair stuff, but that's for another yeah. t- topic. But I want to thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. Continue writing these, because I think uh, it's important for young women to have different uh views on on Mm -hmm. different topics but thank you so much for your time and thank
2: you so much for having me And let me me know when the
1: kalashnikov is on i will (laughs) (laughs) take care nova okay bye 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 wonderful i love it when people just take ownership of their bodies how's that nova herself at tumblr.com when we come back catching up with kachi zama Kachi Zama has been traveling. You know, she's a travel blogger and she's on a mission to explore Africa and share it with the world and share it with us specifically. And just to keep it company once a week, we try and catch up with her. But um, the last time we spoke to her, I think she was still in Tanzania and struggling to get to her next stop, which I think was Ethiopia. And we catch up with her now. Kachi, hello. We've missed you. Hello, I've missed you too. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How have you been since the last time we spoke? I've been good. Um, I got over the homesickness and I
0: was in Kenya, not Tanzania.
1: Oh, you were in Kenya? I beg your pardon. You were in Kenya and you stayed there longer than expected because your next stop, you were trying to get visas. Tell us about that.
0: Um, Yes, I stayed in uh, Kenya for five weeks trying to get visas for Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt. Um, Because I had visited the South African uh, embassy in Nairobi, they gave me a letter informing the other embassies of what I was doing and that they were supporting me. So in Egypt, for the visa for Egypt, it was not hard at all and then um but it just it takes about two weeks to get that visa so that's what took the longest time mm-hmm. and then for Sudan um, I got I went and I had everything prepared I gave it to them and before you get the visa they have to go to take your passport to the High Commissioner and say mm-hmm. we've got this person. Mm-hmm. they would like to go to Sudan mm-hmm. and when the High Commissioner saw my passport he was like um... I would like to see this girl before we give her this visa. Mm. So I went and I met up with them and I told him what I was traveling for and what I was doing. And he was like, okay, it sounds good, so I'll give you the uh, visa. So I got that one very easily, but Ethiopia was hard. Ethiopia mm. refused the visa. I begged and pleaded. They refused. They said, no, you have to go back to South Africa to get the visa. Mm. And there was absolutely nothing I could do about that. So um, I went on social media, and I was just like, guys, I am broken. My journey cannot end like this. They're refusing a visa. But I can get a visa um, at the airport. If you fly in, they will give you a visa, but they will not give you a visa if you're going by public transport. So um, some person online was like, hey, um, can you just send me your ID number and your name as per your passport, and I'll buy you a flight ticket into Ethiopia?
1: (gasps) <gasps> will U- you, will you will you yes, will you hold yeah. that hold that thought? I want to hear the story some more. We're catching up with Kachi and Zama. So, Kachi, somebody you don't know on social media hears you moan about your uh, your, your Ethiopian visa and how you cannot get it unless you fly in, uh, offers you a ticket.
0: Yeah, they bought me a flight ticket. The first flight we could get was this was on Friday. The first flight we could get was for um, Monday morning. And they bought me a ticket. So are you in Ethiopia now? Yes, I am in Ethiopia
1: right now. I've been here. This is my second day. Was it worth the struggle so far?
0: Uh, yes.
3: <laughs>
1: Definitely.
0: <laughs> there's been there's been a lot of confusion and everything, like literally everything changed. Um the language it's not a Bantu uh, Bantu language, so I can't really pick up what they're saying, mm. and um, so uh, they drive on the right-hand side of the of the road.
3: Mm. Which
0: now, when I cross the road, I need to have my hand held like a low three-year-old because <laughs> I have to learn all over again. Um, they count time so differently. So right now, in uh, South African time, it is twenty-five minutes to three. Mm. But in Ethiopia, right now, it's uh, twenty five minutes
1: to eight a m <laughs> well you know I, I, I think you you need to spend a lot more time there because I think you need to also educate us about how that whole system goes. But I'm interested in you um, having something to eat, interested in you having uh, going sightseeing and tell us what the interesting sites are and places to stay. I'm interested in you. So we'll give you a few days and, and catch up with you next week again so that we know more and you have settled somewhat um, uh, w- when we talk to you next week. But I'm interested to know, did you know this person who sent you a ticket and was there a deal made? Uh, no, 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 no. It's somebody
3: who just,
0: um so what happened was, um I've got this person on Twitter and I have them on Facebook, and when they refused the visa from Ethiopia, the only thing I could do was just sit on the pavement and break down. Mm-hmm. And I sat on that pavement and broke down, and I went and I wrote on Facebook, and I said, right now I'm just a girl go crying over a visa on the pavement in front of the Ethiopian embassy and they sent me a message to say, Hey, um, just get me the details for a flight and I will sort you out and I was like, Okay and then um I have I know their name. I I had never really had a conversation with them even on social media or anything, but I've never met them or anything.
1: Wow, that's, that's, that's who we are as South Africans. Ubuntu plays a great part there. Well, Kachi, I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you, you've gone across and we'll catch up with you next week. But go ahead and, and find all the interesting things and uh, let us know when we talk to you again next week um, uh, You know, about Addis at all. Do you, do you intend leaving Addis, going somewhere else around Ethiopia? Um, no,
0: I no, I don't because I don't know any other people outside of Ethiopia and I don't think my host know anyone else. But um, I met a girl yesterday, my host friend, and we went out for dinner and her dad picked us up from the restaurant. And when we got home, they phoned and they were like, oh, can catch you please just come sleep over at our house just for mm. one night? Mm. And I was like, okay, mm. so I'm going to go spend the night with them tomorrow night.
1: Well, that's great. We, we wish you all the best and, and be safe. Thank you so much. I will be. Thank you, Kachi. Uh, she's a travel blogger and uh, you, you can find her on Facebook and Twitter as uh, Solo Traveller. When we come back, though, we talk to Charlene Smith uh, about her Kickstarter campaign to help fund the writing of Never Evicting, Never a Victim, speaking out about sexual violence after this. If- Otherwise, on SAFM. Charlene Smith is a multi-award-winning journalist, documentary filmmaker and broadcaster, author of 14 books and authorised biographer of Nelson Mandela and she's a sought-after public speaker. Um, but Charlene's life turned around on April 1st, 1999. She joins us now to talk to us about her Kickstarter campaign to help fund the rewriting of or oh, the writing of Never a Victim Speaking Out About Sexual Violence. Charlene, welcome and thank you for joining us.
3: Thank
1: you, Shada. Always glossing on otherwise. Listen. Um, Let's talk about April first, nineteen ninety nine, because this is what kickstarted your 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 mm-hmm. campaign, really, that you're running now.
3: Right, right. Well, basically on that day, I had been working with a French television crew, um, and during that time, um, they'd wanted to do something on crime, and we've contacted a number of rape organisations because we wanted to speak to someone who'd been raped. And everyone said that. Oh no, um, woman raped. Too ashamed to talk about it. Mm. And on that evening, when I returned home and locked myself into my home, as South Africans do, I was confronted in the bathroom by um, a man with a knife who raped me. Mm. And um, after I finally managed to break free, because he also. Locked me in a, um, um, bound me um, with masking tape on my knees and my ankles, my hands and my um, eyes and mouth. After I'd managed to free myself, I then started going round with the police officer trying to get antiretroviral. I was the first person in the world to demand it because I believed. It could stop HIV. Mm. And I thought that I've got to start writing and campaigning. I and a young rape survivor ahead of me were treated so badly. I thought that for me as a journalist, I'd lied Um, and said that we had this wonderful democracy, but I wasn't paying attention to how badly people were being treated, particularly women raped. And that, that has turned out to be one of the defining practice of my life, my campaigns against rape. Um, By the following year, the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta flew me to the United States because I was insisting that women needed to be given antiretrovirals Mm. and um, they started research with people in South Africa that proved that I was correct and by 2004 there was a protocol that's now being used all over the world. But even before that, Um, You had hospitals like Netcare that started getting antiretrovirals. Black Christmas clients started getting free starter packs. Because not only did we have the highest rate of rape in the world, we also had the highest rate of HIV.
1: Charlene, we've had lots of rape cases in the country. Um, 1999 this happens to you. Uh, As opposed to Mm -hmm. sitting there and feeling sorry for yourself, and not knowing how to move on with your life, what do you believe that you had, uh, that you can share with all these women who are still um, struggling to move on with their lives or even do something as meaningful as you are doing?
3: Well, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that I'm more meaningful than anyone else. I, I felt that as a journalist, I had the ability to speak out and therefore a responsibility I also knew lots of people who were in power, so I started petitioning them and banging on their doors. And I was just really angry um, mm-hmm. that this was happening. And the other thing was, I was a mother. I was raped on my daughter's birthday.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I um, she was she was down in Cape Town studying. My son, it was two weeks before his birthday, and. Um, he'd gone out to watch a movie with friends and i thought i had a huge responsibility to my children Mm. because how i responded would show them either that we can cope after terrible things happen to us or we can be defeated and the other thing i was i was really very clear about was uh there was lots of myths that i'd heard about rape like we all feel dirty and we want to scrub ourselves. I didn't feel that. I had no sense of shame. Mm. And I was very strong that I felt that people who do nothing are the ones that should be ashamed. Not us, not those of us who are raped. Um, And there was also something that that as a mother of a son um, and taken around by a police officer who was very kind to me that night, I was very clear that if I hated then I would always be the victim mm. of the rapist. Mm. I would always carry him with me. I wasn't interested in carrying him with me. And I was very clear that this wasn't what men do, it's what sick individuals do. And that we needed men with us to fight this
1: let's talk about the Kickstarter campaign because I want us to get to see to it that this book is written. Because if the book contains some of the things that you mentioned to us now, I think it's very, very important, especially in this country. So what do you want us to do? What is the Kickstarter campaign for? Well, we said it was to help fund the writing of the book. But how do you want us to assist?
3: well you know basically if if people could log into www.kickstarter.com and then look for never a victim because that's uh, the working title of the the book and if they can fund anything from ten dollars um that's that's equivalent of a hundred grand um i would be unbelievably grateful um And the reason why I'm writing this book now is based on all these years, on 15 years of research and on previous books that I've written. But um, And I hadn't actually wanted to go back and work on this because I find it quite traumatic. But I'm very aware that the incidence of violence against women in the world seems to be increasing at a really disturbing rate. Mm -hmm. I'm very concerned about what's happening in India. Recently, we had the, the gang rape of a 72-year-old man. Mm. Before that, we had a woman who was gang raped and stabbed to death on a bus. Um, uh, so, so I want to go to India and um, also in the United States, very, very high incidence of rape on college campuses. Um, and in the, the military, we've got, um, as an example, in 2013, The Pentagon study found that there were 5,061 troops reported cases of assault. Only 484 went to trial and only 376 resulted in in conviction. And then 90% of the complainants were discharged. So basically the, the people who were punished with the people who complained about the rape, so this is a global phenomenon, mm. and I'm interested less in. Well, well, I want to say, you know, that here are these dreadful things happening, but I want to find out why they happen and what 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 does. What needs to happen in our society to reform us as individuals, we as parents, the way we raise our children, the sort of messages we're giving, what what should women do differently, what should men do differently, how do we need to reform the criminal justice system, because in every country of the world, the crime that is least likely to result in an effective prosecution is rape. So in South Africa, it's less than 2% of reported cases of rape will result in someone going to jail. In Britain, it's less than 6%. In the United States, it's less than 10%. So why are we not taking this crime seriously? And one of the other things that I think is really important is that when we, as women or men, keep silent about rape, we allow a rapist to get away with it. And every person who rapes doesn't rape just one once, they rape multiple times. So it's really important for us to speak out. It's hard to speak out, but to change the dynamic because if I speak out, then I would hope that others would respond with kindness and with anxiety. And that's been my experience. And I think the experience of most of my my rape survivors because I've now counseled hundreds and hundreds of rape survivors all over the world.
1: Charlene, thank you so much for talking to us. The Kickstarter campaign is on, and does it end? I am told it ends on the first of April, which was your initial date of. <laughs> it's, it's,
3: it's the anniversary. <laughs> it's the anniversary yes, of, 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 of the rape so of the rape. Yeah, seven days left, and I really appreciate this. Thank you, Shadow and Hazel.
1: Well, thank you for talking to us, and we look forward to talking to you again when you realise this project wonderful
3: thank
1: you i will take care very well bye bye bye. it's www.kickstarter.com and look for never a victim speaking out about sexual violence which is charlene smith's project and if you can as little as 100 rand uh will bring this book to all of us that need to read it so 100 rand is is all we ask for or ten dollars if you if you don't live in, in 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 South Africa or live in South Africa but have dollars to to give out, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with her. It's, you've got seven days to contribute to this project. So please, www.kickstarter.com. Look for Never a Victim. Speaking out about sexual violence. And again, if you want to contact Charlene, she's at smithwriter.com Charlene Smith Writer dot com